We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Draft Class. I'm Chris Percy Island here and excited to welcome you to session number two here on Draft Class. Last time we had Prez Presidente from Strickland on the show. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Stone Hansen on. He's from Upside Swings, a draft podcast that I really enjoy. I'll get into it with him on the show, um, but I just want to get to talk to you guys a little bit before we get into the interview with Stone. Uh, hey, how you doing? I want to thank you for the incredible reception, the support you guys showed on episode one here on Draft Class. Um, it's scary for me being 19 to get my own show, um, but it's really fun too. And I hope that comes off to you guys that I'm having a lot of fun doing this and getting to talk to you here through my little microphone. Uh, so yeah. Welcome back to Draft Class. I'm really, really glad to have you. Uh, it means a lot to me that you guys support the show and, and supported episode one to the extent that you did. Don't be afraid here on episode two. Wait until the interview. Let's see if you like it or not. But don't be afraid to throw a thumbs up, whether it's a five-star review, a retweet, some sort of support. Don't be afraid to show it because uh, you know you, you guys are just the best. I can't. I, I can't, you know, I can't repeat myself too many times here. I, I just really appreciate you all a lot. Um, but yeah, to set things up with Stone here, get the first round of the NBA playoffs going on um, after this interview. You know, gonna go watch Memphis, Minnesota. Maybe Timberwolves try to get some revenge on the Grizzlies uh, after that last loss. And not a whole lot, you know, going on in the prospect world. Oh, besides Shaden Sharp declaring for the 2022 NBA draft. Now that's a big deal. We've got to see if he's eligible. They're going to test his eligibility. They've got to see the graduation date and all this stuff. And we'll see if he's even ready to be in this draft because I'm not hundred percent sure that he can be in this draft. However, if he is Nick fans, should look his way. Prez and I talked about him a little bit. I love Shaden in this draft. I, he really impresses me. Um, and the reason for that is because of what he can do with the ball in his hands at such a young age. 
and how he looks doing it. I mean, he makes it look easy, man. He looks like a star wing in the playoffs and he's 18 years old. So shade and sharp killer, uh, didn't play a game for Kentucky, but got the Kentucky connections there. So maybe something for New York has a, might have an inside track on the kid. We'll see, uh, if he does make it to this draft, what happens? Um, but yeah, that's that on that. I'm excited to tee things up for the interview here. I hope you guys enjoy this second session of draft class coming up. We have Stone Hansen here, general draft expert. But the reason I know him is he's one of the many great co-hosts of Upside Swings. Upside Swings is genuinely one of my favorite draft podcasts out there. Uh, the player breakdowns are fantastic. They take whole episodes to talk about, you know, one, two to four guys um, and just give you a whole breakdown. Like you feel like you get to know a prospect, you know, like you, you really, you really get to meet him uh, through upside swings. So Stone's perspective is one I'm really excited to introduce to draft class, have a guest teacher here for our second session. Uh, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm doing great after that intro. Thanks for uh, boosting my ego quite a bit. <laughs> um, I appreciate you listening um, to, to Upside Swings and I'm, I'm excited to talk tonight about the, the draft class. Absolutely, man. So we talked a little bit before you came on about what we might talk about. And when I was trying to just, you know, get a temp check from you, I, we got a quote, we got a, uh, you know, I'll get you verbatim here. You said, I don't know if there's anyone currently outside of RJ that the Knicks should look at as a reason to avoid positional or play style overlap. So the Knicks have, we know, a plethora of young guys on the roster. If you include Farron Hunt on a two-way, that's nine guys on rookie deals or, or two-way deals. Um, that means, you know, RJ Barrett, we know he's a wing, kind of the cornerstone piece of the team right now. Talk to me about your thoughts on some of these other guys, even if it's just tangentially and, you know, maybe even if it's just what kind of players you think might fit with them, uh, what guys you might think fit with RJ best, just, you know, going into a Knicks draft show, you know, what, what things come to mind for you? Yeah. So um, just as like a general principle or philosophy for me, generally speaking, I tend to value talent more than fit uh if the margins are are thin enough then then i'll value i'll uh value fit a little bit more um so with the knicks specifically i think they have a lot of interesting young guards i'm not really sure how many of them i see as like guys that are, are cornerstones or building blocks that are i would you know necessarily say like i'd avoid you know, if the Knicks, for example, got like the third pick or whatever, I wouldn't be like, I'm avoiding Jaden Ivy because they have, um, you know, four or five really intriguing young guards, but none of them have right. Ivy's upside necessarily. So generally speaking, I'm going to take the talent and let it figure itself out from there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think RJ is sort of, uh, interesting because he allows you to have so many different sort of positions that you could bring in using him as sort of a cornerstone or building block. Um, I think he's probably best as more of a complimentary guy as a number two or three guy on a really contending team. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and it allows you to bring in 
guys who he, he's very versatile player. So you could bring in, you know, um, bigs or, or other wings that fit alongside him, other guards, if the, if the talent's good enough, you know, so, um, that's sort of where I stand with the Knicks. I haven't, um, nearly watched as much as you, I'm sure. But, uh, I think that, uh, from what I have seen, RJ is probably the guy I would lean on as, as my building block for this team. Yeah, I would agree with you there on that assessment. He's my guy too. You know, uh, ever since we drafted him, I actually wasn't funnily enough, like a huge, like, Oh, this is a home run pick guy. Uh, but once he struggled in those first couple summer league games and responded with a triple double and a whole, you know, myriad <laughs> of other great performances, I was just like, Oh, this kid's going to work his tail off to do what it takes to succeed in New York. And that's a very rare breed of person, uh, especially to then have that person be six foot six, six foot seven, you know, with his attention to detail with, you know, his improvement over the years, he's someone who, you know, I talked to Jackson Lloyd a lot and he loves the Jimmy Butler cop just because those guys seem to work their way up the, you know, at the points that they've made it to. Like uh, I love comping RJ Barrett. If you want to go cross sport, Josh Allen is my favorite just because Josh had a season of outlier development and a lot of football gurus were like, the analytics guys especially were like, oh, well, that's not happening again because that can't happen again. He was like, oh, yeah, well, watch this. Now I'm an MVP. You know, so these guys that just like say, screw you, linear development, um, I'm going to improve at what I want to improve at. And I get good at what I just work at in- insanely. Uh, yeah, yeah that, that's who RJ is. And he's really refreshing to have in a locker room. You know, Julius Randle didn't do the best job of holding that leadership spot this season. And when it did really slip out of his hands, 21 year old RJ Barrett stepped up and took it, you know? So that's really impressive um, from him. He is someone who I'm really glad to have as a wing. The Knicks have Cam Reddish, you know, a, a twitchy bet there for them, you know, throwing wiggle Twitter, a nod when they <laughs> traded a pick for him, you know, Tibbs already coaching some of those poor mid range shots out of him and really harnessing his great athleticism. You see him forcing those deflections and then Quentin Grimes, sharpshooter, good defensively. I see, you know, if you see RJ as a three, maybe a four cam as a three, maybe a four Grimes is like that two to three type. So I'm setting this all up. And the reason I do this is because we have all these wings. I spent a lot of time in episode one with Prez talking about what wings he potentially likes. Um, You mentioned that you might want to sway in the way of a forward or a big just because of how many guards. And you just said it again, how many guards the Knicks have that are so intriguing, even Joker Betis over in Europe, you know, they have an interesting supply of guys. What kind of wings, if they were adding one, whether in the lottery or a bet later on, is there an archetype? Is there a mold that really moves you as someone to add to Barrett? And then, you know, those other guys in Reddish and Grimes, do you see Reddish or Grimes one as being way, you know, more projectable in a starting role than the other, et cetera? How do you feel about the wing scenario for us and, and what potentially dropping in another ingredient to the recipe there might do? Yeah. Um, with the wings, it's interesting because, uh, cam is, cam is a nice bet. I'm not necessarily sure. He's, he's so inconsistent that it's difficult to really be like, you know, this guy, it's a bet. Exactly. Um, I think he's not someone that's going to stop me from taking 
a forward that or a wing that I really like. Um, as much as I have interest in him, he's still he's still a bet. He's just that he's not somebody that is solidified yet and is worth again like sort of avoiding a positional overlap or play style. Um, but my personal preference, everyone has sort of their taste in the draft. Um, and as you talk with more people, you'll you'll come to understand everyone has, you know, their their type, their thing. Um, with me, for some reason, I just generally love like super high feel forwards, um, even if they aren't the most athletic, just guys that know exactly where to be, how to play, um, exactly sort of what their strengths and weaknesses are and how to sort of mitigate their weaknesses and accentuate their strengths as best as they can. Um, so for that's me, like QG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and this class for me, that's, that's Jeremy Sohan. Um, I'm, I'm super in on him. And I think that uh, he does sort of exactly what I said um, best out of any of the wings or forwards in this class for me outside of, you know, the main, very, very top guys. So um I, I'm really in on Sohan and I think in uh, this class for the Knicks specifically, there's a lot of wings that sort of fit that mold for them and they can really look to because um, versatility is sort of the name of the game now. And I don't think the Knicks have a whole lot of two-way guys. They have a lot of guys that are great on one end or great on the other. And having a wing or a forward that does both on a night-to-night basis, I think, is something that could be pretty valuable for them. Even if it's not necessarily a building block, having just a consistent guy on both ends can really be yep. a, a huge factor for them moving forward. Someone to get you know gritty in the trenches, defend potentially one to five, as we've seen him do or try to do you know, <laughs> at Baylor. Um, I'm really impressed with with Sohan too, and a big reason for that as is his fit, you know, with Barrett Grimes Reddish as that fourth piece in there. He doesn't he has he has no pressure to be you know a star wing or anything. He just needs to get some of that dirty work done, and that's a great spot for a rookie to start proving himself to start. You know, Obi Toppin when he played in his rookie year, asked Derrick Rose. How can I contribute? How, like, help me out here. We just traded for you. Now you're my point guard. Uh, l- let's work together. And Rose is like, dude, you're killing me on the glass. Like, you, you've got to start grabbing more rebounds. There was a noticeable difference. Obi going with two hands, going up and grabbing them, getting down, finding Rose. Like these little developmental things. Uh, I think Sohan is a great guy to add to that group and to to keep guys hustling in practice. All of that. I just think he would be a great personality, great fit, everything to add to our locker room. So I totally, totally agree with you there. Um, because we're in the world of potential wing connectors, uh, I want to add one more guy into the mix here. Get your thoughts on him, and then maybe also, uh, you know, compare and contrast vibe uh, with Sohan and and then Tari Eason. You know, LSU, uh, one of Prez's favorites. So Prez, a big fan of Tari. He calls him uh, what is it? Tar he is him <laughs> and just absolutely loves him. Um, what would you think about him as a wing bet for New York as someone who would come in, join that core? You know, I, I know the Knicks have Barrett and then Toppin um, and Eason. Probably you're not drafting him, projecting him to start over Toppin. But again, joining the core is someone to get some of that dirty work done, grab some of those boards and, and all that. How do you feel about him? 
Yeah, um, I I like Eason quite a bit. Um, I know my co-hosts actually are are sort of in that camp where they're super high on Eason as well. Um, I still have him like late lotto on my own board. Uh, I I think with the Knicks specifically, he can really be uh, beneficial as um, a a defensive force on that end um, as a a forward. Uh, I think he has the potential to eventually start for this team. And I think uh, a lot of it hinges upon the offense, specifically the shooting with him. Uh, But there's enough flashes this season where you can really buy into the shooting. The free throw percentage was good. And as the season got along, he improved as a shooter. So in season progression is something you really want to look at when it comes to that, not just the the final percentage number. Um, So I I really like Eason. I thought um, with the next two, he can, he can be um, small ball five at times. Uh, He's probably more got more potential as a small ball five, like rim protector for spurts as opposed to Sohan. Um, but overall, I think he's, his bread and butter is probably going to be more as like a, a perimeter guy. Um, but I think it can really sort of change depending on what you need on a night to night basis, which is sort of the beauty of Tari Eason. He's really moldable on that end. Um, offensively there, there is a bit of work to do in terms of like, uh, he, he's very right hand dependent, um, always goes to his right. Um, if he can finish with the left, it would be a, you know, a, a big bonus. Um, but all in all, I think Eason is sort of the, another just versatile forward that that fits in a lot of different ways and, and gives you a lot of lineup flexibility. Um, and I think the Knicks, you know, would would be happy coming away with either one of these guys on draft night. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's a good assessment to hear for me, especially just as a fan, because these two names are if they do stick around here in that 11 spot where they're currently projected, the, you know, the ping pong ball has got to fall. but. If that is how it plays out, if they do stay, I would think it would be to maybe add one of these wing bets. I think personally, you got a little philosophical earlier, and I love that. That is the thing I promote like most here with my guests on draft class is really just getting into the nitty gritty of like, if you were in a war room and it comes down to it, what's, you know, what are your biases? What are your go-to mantras for me it's like the lottery is for wings for athletic bets and of course you know you're in the top three and someone like chet holmgren is there okay well you know it's a different conversation because he's elite at something and he has the size Jaden ivy again elite at something has the athleticism the burst to make you really interested but but those eight to 14 that range there like especially when you're in a period as a team where you're just trying to get yourself together as a team with several layers of depth, several lineups to put out that are versatile, different combinations, a scoring lineup, a, a crunch time lineup that you can go to, you know, maybe your own little death lineup, whatever it is. We know wings are the biggest, you know, swing factors in those lineups, especially going forward. I think in the league with how things are looking, it's kind of like, Hey, throw a wing on a small wing on that guard and a big wing on that one and throw the other big wing that we have on that forward. And then our small ball third big wing, he's going to guard their five. Like things are just getting like that nowadays. Um, I think between Sohan and Eason, you know, you've got two guys that fit right into that trend not too late though guys where you can still develop something out of them you know sohan maybe those offensive flashes you see from him something there um i I love that i love that thought 
uh, on both of them. I was wondering, do you see those guys as connectors? I kind of hinted at that. I kind of named both of them <laughs> as such. Do you agree? Uh, do you have a different way of viewing either of them? Um, yeah, with Sohan, yes. Um, at least early on, especially. Um, uh, what I like about Sohan too so much is he's one of the youngest guys in this class at only 18. There's a lot of potential for him to scale even above a connecting role. Uh, but at the moment, you know, the, the shooting is um, it's, it, it's going to be a while before the shooting comes around with him. Um, but he's, yeah, I, I think he sees the floor very well as a passer. Um, somebody who always seems to make the right decisions and the right reads um, not a huge advantage creator at the moment. Um, I think Eason maybe has more upside as that, uh, but I don't think Eason necessarily sees the floor as well as, as Sohan does offensively. Um, both of them as on the Knicks, particularly probably uh, project more as connectors because uh, just, I don't think either one is really, at least early on going to be capable of taking like a, a huge offensive role or anything. Um, Eason probably has more, uh, his game is more suited to take on a more shot, a heavier shot diet. Um, and I think Sohan's probably a better passer to where I would lean Sohan as being, you know, more projectable as a connector. Uh, but I think Eason um, has enough on ball equity uh, and the handle is surprisingly like fairly decent for him as well. So um, I would say Sohan projects more as a connector and Eason eventually can be more of a guy you can lean on as you're like maybe number three guy as a scorer or something for sure. So, so something else there with him potentially in your eyes, I like that. Um, and it's interesting, you know, you see guys like Jeremy Grant in the league today, be a number one option and get the number one pick or be <laughs> the third option and be on a really good team, you know, uh, have a team really miss them nowadays as we see Denver take on golden state, Aaron Gordon, you know, Good, yeah. but not Jeremy Grant, uh, as <laughs> we can tell defensively. So definitely, you know, interesting for, for Tari to have that potential growth curve. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I want to shift gears a little bit, potentially stay in the connector lane, depending on how you see these guys. But there were two names you brought up. Um, in regards to the guard department of this draft, Dyson Daniels and Johnny Davis, uh, two guys you mentioned as potential fits for New York that you were interested in. Um, Johnny Davis, someone I talked about in episode one with Prez as kind of having that fallback potential as one of those two to three connectors. The defense is there. The passing is there in an auxiliary way. And then some scoring, you know, can get a boarded couple boards a game and just be a contributor. Dyson Daniels is someone who I get a lot of interest about on Twitter from my followers, uh, people in the Knicks fan base curious about potentially adding him, you know, in that 11 to 12 range, wherever we may pick. What do you think about these two guys? Why would they pop out to you? And then, you know, what kind of talk to me about the differences primarily in like their fit, you know, with what we might have going on. It seems like Coach Tibbs is going to be staying. Uh, so, given that, you know, if one of these guys would be getting minutes off the bench, it's because they were, you know, the 11th pick in the draft or something like that. And they're someone we're committing to giving like wing minutes off the bench. It wouldn't be as a a primary ball handler, which is why Davis interests me, but Dyson Daniels has that too. So if you wouldn't mind getting into these two, uh, how they compare and contrast a bit and, and just that fit as a potential, you know, Tibbs bench wing. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dyson, I'm especially high on, I'm, over the moon about Dyson. Uh, I think, especially with the Knicks too, that the beauty of Dyson Daniels game is that he's uh six, seven ish um, guard slash wing. And he's so scalable and, and so versatile and, and versatility is a word I think that gets probably overused, but with Daniels, it's, it's very applicable because I do think he has the ability to scale as a guy who can be your primary ball handler 
who can be your um who, who your defense tilter um who i think the knicks have needed for a while now somebody who can really um offensively tilt opposing defenses in a way that creates advantages for the rest of the teammates to attack, attack closeouts or um you know, uh, maybe take one, two dribbles and make the extra pass around the perimeter. Uh, I think Daniels is somebody who also is like extraordinary at just starting fast breaks. So if the Knicks wanted to get out and transition more, he's somebody that I think can really propel that for them. Um, I also really like defensively. I think he's somebody that I feel really comfortable guarding pretty much one through three. Um, and he's so strong that Again, small ball fours, I can see it happening down the line. Um, I, I just think that having a player for the Knicks that can be potentially like down the line, their starting point guard, but also in the meantime with the other guards that they have uh, get minutes on the wing to sort of be whatever they need on a night-to-night basis, whether it be um, you know a really strong defensive effort one night on, on a guy or um, – be somebody that initiates a lot of offense for them on another night. Having Daniels there is, is just really um, something that I think can be of value for the Knicks specifically. Uh, with Johnny Davis, a little bit of a different story. I think he's more um, with the Knicks. I, I like him because he's probably my favorite. He'd probably be my favorite scoring option as a guard on the Knicks. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I know people will, will point toward Emmanuel quickly, and I think I, I love Quick. So I'm <laughs> so, one of them. So do I, but uh, I think they can play together as well. I think um, quickly has enough off ball equity where Davis and and quickly can make it work, um, and I think Davis as well has has a lot of off ball equity in terms of attacking closeouts and things like that. Um, I, I like Davis in the connecting role as I think his passing is extremely underrated. I think he has great touch on passes and somebody who can um, not make probably as advanced passes as Dyson because Dyson developed a lot in that area as, as the season went on. But I think Davis can make a lot of the right connecting reads. Um, the shooting is for both of these guys, the sort of through line with them. Uh, both of them need to improve as shooters. Uh, and early on, that's, probably not going to be their role because they will be more of connective guys who don't have as large of a shot diet. Uh, but I think Davis is somebody that gives the Knicks another look offensively and another threat as somebody who can break right. out of the connecting role, be somebody who can take, you know, 10, 15 shots on a night to night basis uh, eventually down the line. So um, having that for the Knicks is something too, that, that really interests me when you can get that at 11, because most of the time, those sort of guys are, are, are taken earlier in the draft as opposed to 11 in this class. So would you say in terms of having that to, to use the term again, like growth curve of potentially starting as a serviceable more three and D style, but not, you know, just shooting corner threes, like just being kind of a, a plug and play in the offense, a real connector and not a scorer. Johnny Davis is, trajectory as then a potential scoring option. Would you say that's a little more compatible with what Tibbs does in terms of keeping guys on the bench at first and then growing their role over time? Or do you think it's the same between him and Daniels, you know, being able to contribute at first and then also grow into a larger role later? Yeah. Um, with, with Davis, I think that's definitely the case because I think um 
to take Davis this high, I think you sort of have to believe in, in Davis as a scorer. Um, and I think that's sort of what he projects as to me, at least. Um, I think he can be a really valuable scoring option, um, even without, you know, super consistent three-point shooting. He doesn't have to be the most versatile guy who who pulls up from three on a consistent basis. But I think being able to get to his spots, especially in the mid-range, and he's so strong that he takes guys on the block a lot, um, just having that scoring threat is something that I think he can grow into. But early on will be more of a connector probably, especially uh, under Thibodeau. Um, and then with with Daniels, it's interesting. I don't really see him ever being much of a scorer, but I do think that he can grow into having heavier usage um, just because gotcha. of the fact that he's he's such an advanced passer and he's he's growing a lot in that role. So his role would kind of stay a little more linear, but just that the you know the the amount of times he's touching a ball per game, yeah, more responsibilities impact. probably. Yeah. yeah. So some more ball handling, some more playmate. Yeah, for sure. I could see that. I think I like just personally the thought of Davis being able to start in that smaller role and then kind of grow with the team yeah. um, as we try to get better. I, I do think if the Knicks try to trade Randall and I, I think they will definitely look into it this off season uh, that it, they won't be afraid to, if they can't go get Donovan Mitchell or someone you know, that looks like a perennial all-star by adding assets to Randall. Well, maybe they take a step sideways and try to move him for, you know, one pick and some salary or one promising player and some salary, like yeah, something like that, a little more casual. Uh, and, and that would allow someone like Davis, you know, an extra year or two on the Knicks timeline, you know, have less pressure uh, to get ready for contention because if he wants to have a big role in that, you know, he would have that extra time the Knicks maybe taking an extra year or two to, to wait and pounce on their star target. Um, but no, I love the thought of both of those guys as well. You know, these four names that we've really gotten into now, like a lot of interesting fits shaping up for New York in this upcoming draft. This is definitely going to be, if again, they stay in this range of 11, 12, 13, wherever uh, it'll be a choice, you know, and maybe it'll come down to who falls, but there's going to be a decision to be made. I don't think they're in a situation where, you know, they're at eight and they're just praying for Obi to fall, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, <laughs> it's not like that this year. In my opinion, I think there are a lot of guys worth consideration and, and each of them for different reasons, right? Oh, which direction do we want to go in? I, I think those are questions the Knicks actually have to ask themselves this summer. What direction are you guys trying to go in? You know, so uh, definitely some valid, valid, questions and we might get the answers to those questions in their draft pick. Um, yeah. you know, so, so we'll see how it plays out. Maybe the answer comes in uh, Adrian Wojnarowski notification that New York has made a trade with Detroit for their 2023 first rounder. They'll be sending their pick, you know, whatever it is like another protected first coming in, but man, I, if they do trade out of this lottery pick, uh, there are still a couple names I'm interested in bringing up. One of them, uh, someone who you mentioned, another uh, just one of Prez's favorites and, and uh, has actually become one of my favorite prospects as well. You brought up Jean Montero, um, overtime elite Dominican like myself, but not six feet tall like myself. He's got a couple inches on me there. It's six foot three and 175 at just 18 years old. Uh, and then there's Alondis Williams um, out of Wake Forest, you know, in the ACC, 
won ACC player of the year, I believe just because of how much he did for that wake forest team. He's 22, um, a little older and again, less of a a bet, I suppose. And more of at first, at least you kind of know what you're getting in Williams. If you think he has untapped upside as a creator, then you can develop him for sure. But between Montero and Williams, I think you're looking at two very different kinds of prospects. Uh, even though they're both guards, they share that in common. I think just about everything else about how they play is different. So to to give you a tough job here, <laughs> to, to contrast them again, talk about why you brought up Montero as someone that interests you with New York and then uh, to use Williams as you know a kind of another lens to look through. Uh, what do you think that Alondis Williams has that the Knicks could use that Montero doesn't offer? Yeah. So uh, I'm a huge Jan Montero fan and uh, I have been for quite a while. I, I personally would probably have him in the 11 range on my personal big board, but um, wow. come draft night, that's, that's not going to be the case. And I don't think GMs would want to take a bet that high um, on Jan, but uh, I, I think he has, um, one of the best, uh, space creation upsides in this class, especially as a guard. Um, he's, uh, so quick to, so shifty, um, really, I think is undersold as a passer, uh, overtime elite is a very difficult context to evaluate guys. So I think had Jan been in another context, he'd probably be looked at, um, a bit higher on more consensus, uh, on a more consensus level. Um, but I think, uh, the, the shot creation, he has so many tricks up his sleeve in terms of, um, how he can pull up and, and generate looks for himself. Um, not the, the most advanced finisher just because the, the height is in, in frame. He's, he's very slender. Um, six, three is a bit generous for him. I think Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you watch him on film, but he's, uh, uh, really good at getting to the rim. So just creating that rim pressure and creating the, the shots that he generates from outside to the, the creation that he can get in leverage in terms of being able to pass once he creates it or, or pull up for the jumper. Um, the numbers don't necessarily reflect it, but I think he has a lot of equity there especially when you consider that he's, he's still 18 and, and extremely young Yeah, uh, with Alondis, I think he's one of the best passers in this class. Um, I mean, some of the, the stuff he tries is just ridiculous in terms of like the, the cross court stuff Like he could be on the complete other side, standing still, not even having to create anything. And he just sees a guy, you know, running off a pin down or something and is able to throw it with two hands above his head and, and get it over there. Um, so Alondis has an insane vision. And I think that's something the Knicks don't have from any one of their guards, um, at least to his level. Um, so I really like what Alondis can bring in terms of just a, a different dynamic from a, a guard perspective at the Knicks, uh, giving him a different look. I really do like Yoko Betis and I think he can be, sort of that mold of a passer, um, maybe not quite to Alondis's level, but I think he is a very talented passer. Um, so there may be overlap there if you want to say that, but I think, um, for me personally, Jan just has so much potential as a, a pull-up shooter and, and, uh, 
just a score in general that it's very difficult for me to uh, have any one of the Knicks guards sort of uh, make me look away from him or, or want right. a different direction. For sure. I get it. You know, when that, that upside, if you see it there, uh, you think it's just sitting right there, you know, go yeah. get it, go get your guy, you know? So I get it. Um, and I do think that Montero, you know, is just, even if it's not him, um, the, the kind of player he is raises a question to New York again, that I want them to be asking themselves like, Hey, what could this kind of guard do for us? You know, cause yeah. they, they've got to go acquire a lead guard, right? You know, this is kind yeah. of just you take enough swings. You'll hit on one eventually screaming at them and, and maybe quickly is that guy, but it seems like from tea leaves and how they're, you know, falling in the tornado of this season. Um, that they're going to go and do something to acquire a guard in, in some degree this off season. Yeah. So when you're talking about who that's going to be, you know, if it's someone that is a prospect, well, who do you want them to grow into? If it's someone who's good now, what kind of guard is, do you want someone who's great at under and at the rim? Uh, you know, you want someone who kind of exists more on the perimeter. Um, that's, that would be quickly, you know? So uh, I think these questions are valid um, and, and important for, for New York. And, and that's, kind of why I'm, I'm testing you here, having you get into these different, you know, kind of pointed conversations is because to me, they represent some of the really tough debates that the team has to have internally, you know, looking at Eason, Sohan, Hey, well, one guy's older might bring a, a little more juice offensively as a scorer, but do we trust the guys we have enough already to want the, the more complimentary player? You know, I, I again, a valid question you know so yeah. i think i think the knicks really are pressed to answer a couple of these uh, really quick before we wrap up on the topic of big men mitchell robinson give me give me a quick spiel on you know do you think the knicks should extend him or is there someone in this draft that moves you to the extent maybe it's jalen duran who you brought up um that would make you want to move on from him knowing the knicks have sims and, and can go grab someone here in this draft yeah, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Mitchell Robinson. I really think it depends. Ultimately, obviously, it, it just depends how much he's he's asking for, right? Like if if you're gonna pay him twenty million, then I'm probably looking towards drafting somebody else or or trying to acquire somebody else. But um, I, I think that Robinson, it's gonna be tough in this class, especially at pick eleven, to find somebody that has the rim protection that, that Mitchell offers. Um, I mean, it's tough in any class, honestly, because he is, he is extraordinary in that regard. So, um, but the fact that, uh, you know, he, he has concerns without getting too into it. There's obviously some offensive uh, limitations, I guess we'll go with, uh, with him. So um, if Duran were to fall to 11, even if Robinson was coming back, I would still take Duran. Um, I think that he, wow. So you double up there. Yeah. At center. Yeah. I think, uh, during, like I was saying earlier, I'm generally taking the, if a guy has the most amount of upside, I'm still going to take it most of the time. Um, right. during, I think that <clears throat> personally he has, he's one of the safer bets in this class to be just a positive rotational player. Um, but he has the upside to really be a lot more than that. Um, 
he's one of the best probably rollers or he is probably the best roller in this class. Um, really great in the pick and roll. And again, finding that guard to go along with him would be huge for the Knicks. If you have Duran uh, and a competent point guard running pick and rolls a hundred times, that's going to really do a lot for your offense because Duran is also a fantastic passer. Um, so between him and Randall together, I think that creates a lot of passing opportunities from your bigs, which is not something that a lot of NBA teams have. So <clears throat> I really like it. I'm not sure if Duran's going to fall this far. He's probably somewhere that goes in the top eight or something. Yeah. Someone, but, you know, it takes one team to swing. Yeah. Sam Presti. Yeah. But there's <laughs> always Presti someone drops. Yeah, that's true. Um, but there is always someone that drops and you never know what the Knicks are going to do on draft night. Maybe there's another way that they acquire a pick beforehand. So um, Duran is definitely someone that whether or not Robinson comes back, I would definitely consider for the Knicks. <laughs> Awesome, man. That's great perspective. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to share it. Um, the Knicks, man, they've got a lot of paths they could potentially head this offseason. I thank you for helping shed your light on, you know, the, the potentially dark cave that they've got to find their way out of here. So thank you for that. Anything you want to plug, even if it's just upside swings one last time here at the end of the show before I let you go? Yeah, um, you could just follow me at report underscore court on, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I just do um, upside swings with two of my great co-hosts and we uh, break down um, every prospect. And pretty soon we're going to get into um, sort of what you're doing, where we're going to get... Um, people that cover each NBA team in um, really in depth and bring them on and talk about, you know, who they think um, or where they think they could improve on their teams. And we'll sort of break down what prospects may be able to help in those areas. So uh, keep a lookout for that. And that's, that's where you can find me. All right. That's going to wrap things up here on episode two of draft class. I thank you all very much one more time for tuning in. It means the world to me that you guys support the show to the extent that you do. Um, and it means a lot to me that you guys would take the time to do that. You know, So I'm very grateful and I'm very appreciative of every single one of our listeners here at Nick's Film School. Um, if you're from the Halftime Live, if you're from my Twitter, if you're just checking out the show because you're a fan of KFS and know me from the mailbags only, wh whatever it is, like you mean a lot to me and to what we do here. So thank you. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this second episode. Episode three, of course, will come out next Saturday. You know, we've got episodes weekly here on Draft Class coming out every Saturday to give you guys a little teaser for episode three. Check your floor and check your ceiling over on YouTube because we have a great guest lined up for you guys. I cannot wait uh, for you to get their perspective on things and, and get to hear from them. That's going to do it for here for our second class here on Draft Class. Uh, as your teenage teacher, um, yeah, there's no homework besides enjoy the NBA playoffs and uh Tune into those games, man. We're, we're, getting, we're getting some great basketball. So hope you guys enjoy. I, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and enjoy the playoffs. Don't forget to check out the KFS YouTube channel. There's a cap or no cap up. That's new. Jeremy Cohen 
my good friend and co-worker here at Nick's Film School uh, hits those out of the park just about every single time. So, and it's every single time. So yeah, go check that out over on the KFS feed. But yeah, that's going to do it for our second episode here on Draft Class. So make sure to stay tuned for the next episode next Saturday. Make sure to head over to the Knicks Film School YouTube channel. Check out the latest cap or no cap. You know, Jeremy Cohen always doing his thing on those. And do not be afraid to say what's up on Twitter. Ask any questions you've got about the show or anything you want me to touch on in the coming weeks or episodes. Uh, I'm always here and I'm always listening. So yeah, don't be afraid to reach out and stay tuned. I thank you guys very much as always. Peace out, everyone. Peace out.